0: to the millennial politics podcast i'm your host jordan valerie my pronouns are she her hers and today i'm joined by kimberly peeler allen co-founder of higher heights for america a national organization dedicated to building a national infrastructure to harness black women's political power and leadership potential thanks for coming on thanks so much for having me yeah absolutely so could you tell us about how higher heights got started and the work you've been doing
1: Sure. So Hira Heights uh, was drummed up by myself and my co-founder, Glenda Carr, uh, back in 2011, where we, after working in politics, uh, in the women's movement, in the progressive movement uh, for many, many years, we kept seeing the same uh, handful of women of color in these rooms. And as the conversations were developing in these rooms about the future of uh, Black communities and uh, discussing issues that had direct impact on uh, Black people, you know, we weren't at the decision making tables, we weren't part of the conversation. And uh, through our personal networks from our friends and colleagues, we knew that between the two of us, we could probably pull, you know, 150 black women who were involved in politics, who were interested in politics, work for elected officials or were elected themselves without even really having to do any outreach, we could get to that number. And so we said, you know what, you know, if it's just from our network that we can pull this many people, there's gotta be, um, thousands of black women across the country who want to be part of the process, who are interested and willing to, to get involved. And, uh, so we need to create something for them because no one is going to create, if no one's going to be concerned about black women's issues, um, more than black women. So Higher Heights was born on the back of a, um, a placemat in a diner, and uh, we've been off to the races ever since. So we decided one of the first things that we needed to do we needed to do a baseline uh, analysis of the status of Black women in American politics. So we partnered with Rutgers University, the Center for American Women and Politics, there uh, to do this this work because no one had actually pulled out just the numbers for Black women. Where had Black women been elected. Where had they run and lost? Uh, What were the numbers of Black women who'd come out to the polls in general? Most of the research had lumped women of color all together, and uh, so we said, you know what? Let's take a moment and uh, go into the cross tabs and pull out those numbers and really get a good sense of um, where our strengths are, where our weaknesses are, and then from there we can build. So we knew anecdotally that the numbers were not going to be good, and uh, the facts did not disappoint. So we definitely, um, you know, decided all right, we're going to roll up our sleeves and get to work to make sure that Black women's voices were elevated in the uh, civic process, and that they felt that they really had the power to make the difference in elections. Cause at that point in time uh, we were looking at elections where it, the deciding vote was, was the margin was very small. And if you actually pulled the numbers of who went to the polls there was almost a direct correlation between the number of black women voters and that margin of victory for a progressive candidate. So we said, you know, we need to tell this story because black women need to know a, every vote absolutely matters. And B uh, you have the opportunity and the power to really decide who, uh, leads your community, who represents your community. So we started traveling around the country, holding sister to sister salon conversations, where we brought Black women together for uh, conversations about the challenges and opportunities uh, to expand their civic engagement, whether that was going from being a registered voter to being a regular voter or even an activist, or if they were already an activist, how do they think about, um, and prepare themselves to possibly run for public office? So it was really, um, a great opportunity to really hear from black women and, uh, be able to integrate their thoughts, comments, and concerns and focus, um, in our work as we, as we moved around the country. So we have really worked very hard to keep that pulse on the concerns of black women, uh, and provide tools and resources, uh, that they find useful to mobilize not just themselves, but their networks, uh, to the polls and, uh, really feel and, um, embrace their political power.
0: So could you give us some examples of the work you've done in recent elections?
1: Sure. So we're actually a multi-pronged organization uh, to be able to do this work and uh, through Higher Heights for America, We have uh, endorsed candidates Uh, in 2016. Our focus was to get a black woman in the US Senate. So we were very involved in Kamala Harris's campaign uh, in California. And we also focused on trying to expand the number of black women in Congress. And we supported Lisa Blunt Rochester in Delaware and Val Demings in Florida. And uh, before that in 2014, We also were focused on, uh, expanding the number of black women in Congress, where we supported Alma Adams in, uh, North Carolina, Brenda Lawrence in, uh, Michigan, and Bonnie Watson Coleman in New Jersey. Uh, this past year, 2017, we wanted to, we saw the opportunity to make 2017 the year of the black woman mayor because at the start of the year, uh, we had five Black women leading our top 100 cities, which was the most in history. Uh, But out of the 38 uh, cities of uh, of largest cities in the country uh, that had municipal elections, of those 11 of them had Black women on the ballot. So that was very exciting and a we saw it as a real opportunity. So when all was said and done, we ended up at uh, six uh, Black women mayors. We had the victory of Vi Lyles in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, Keisha Lance Bottoms in Atlanta, Georgia, and LaToya Cantrell in um, New Orleans, Louisiana. So uh, it's been a really uh, great opportunity to expand what people think when they think of executive leadership and they think of mayors. Uh, and that helps reshape uh, the the narrative about what uh, leadership looks like in this country.
0: In terms of reflecting the interests and values of Black women, what policies do you advocate for and how do you define progressive?
1: Well, we look at progressivity as uh Supporting reproductive justice, uh, access to affordable uh, housing, preserving and expanding affordable health care, high-quality affordable health care, healthy and safe communities, and uh, really just looking to pay attention to the intersectionality of this country uh, and uh, make sure that Black women, their families, and their communities really thrive. And we've taken those, uh, prior, those policy priorities, uh, you know, like, uh, pay equity and, uh raising the minimum wage directly from uh, the women that we've talked to as we've crisscrossed the country, because as we talk to them through these salon conversations and other uh, activities, we're constantly asking them, what are your top priorities? What are the top three? Uh, what are the top three things that keep you up at night? Uh, what do you want the uh, presidential candidates to address? What do you want your mayoral candidates to address? And we continue to Uh, assess those priorities and incorporate them in our
0: work. So how does Higher Heights work within and view the two-party system?
1: Well, Higher Heights is a nonpartisan organization. uh, And I think it puts us in a very uh, unique position because Black women are not a monolith. Um, You have women like Condoleezza Rice and Mia Love, uh, just as you have and people like uh, Barbara Lee, uh, a congresswoman from California, and and others who are you know they're on far ends of uh, the ideological spectrum. So we want to make sure that all voices are raised. So we and then we use that position to um, you know we hold both parties accountable for their their treatment and engagement with Black women. Uh, last year, uh, two thousand seventeen, we uh, penned along with thirty other Black women leaders from across the country, an open letter to the Democratic National Party saying, you know, what do Black women get for turning out in record numbers to vote for Hillary Clinton? Uh, Where is the investment in Black women as voters? Where is the investment as Black women as candidates? What sort of uh, structural changes are you going to... um, to institute, to really uh, harness this power because we have been doing the work and we have been the backbone of the party, but we don't see, uh, we don't have, you know, see ourselves in your leadership. What are you, what are you doing to expand that? And, uh, that meeting, uh, was released on, on NBC, uh, NBC.com. And, uh, The follow-up was a sit-down meeting with uh, the leadership of the Democratic National Committee, uh, Chairman Perez, and many of his top staff with uh, a large number of the letter signers. And we had a a great dialogue about what was needed, where we saw the deficiencies, and what uh, our recommendations were to really uh, empower and... um, embrace the power of black women within the democratic party. And one of the first things that the, uh, the DNC committed to was investing uh, more deeply and earlier in black women voters. And they, uh, I think we saw some of that, uh, in the elections in Virginia, uh, this past November and definitely the, uh, engagement in, uh, Alabama where, uh, you know, due to a confluence of amazing and strange events, uh, <laughs> to, to put it mildly, uh, but in addition to also the party recognized very early on that they needed to uh, help uh, resource uh, the organizations that were on the ground Whether it was uh, directly from contributions from the DNC or giving, uh, raising money for the Doug Jones campaign for him to then use to mobilize black women voters, uh, as well as several organizations uh, independent of the of any party structure went down to mobilize voters and they were on the ground uh, for three and in some case four months um, You know, basically as soon as the date for the special election was set, uh, folks got to work immediately mobilizing voters and I think that is why we saw such amazingly record number of, of voters and particularly black women uh, showing up at the polls and I think that uh, the letter that we penned back Over the summer was a catalyst uh, for that deeper investment from not just the DNC, but I think there were others that uh, definitely took notice of uh, of the work of black women uh, supporting the nation or trying to move the nation forward. And uh, they wanted to encourage that as well.
0: Looking into kind of Alabama as an example for a greater issue, though Black women did deliver Doug Jones that really incredible victory, he refused to address that fact and in the Senate hasn't quite acted in the interests of Black women. Now with that as kind of an example of a larger problem, what work do you do? And what work can we do to hold our elected officials accountable to black women?
1: Well, I, that is absolutely uh, what needs to be done is, uh, you know, remind ourselves and the elected that they work for us. We have uh, encouraged black women to show up at um, community events, uh, at town halls, to write letters to their elected officials to really, um, you know, Make sure that their voices are heard. Uh, I think when the healthcare debate uh, was happening um, earlier last year, and the number of phone calls uh, that were uh, that went into the switchboards on both the House and the Senate t- side was unprecedented. And we were always encouraging our. Supporters and uh, the people and our activists that you have to let make your voice heard. And most times elected officials, they do what they do because they don't know. They haven't heard from their, the electorate. Uh, we have a very passive electorate, and uh, uh, reprogramming uh, folks to realize that voting is really step one of civic engagement, and not the the la- the first and only step, uh, is definitely um, a big part of our work. You know, letting them know that you know, you can really make a difference uh, by you know, stepping up, raising your hand, raising your voice, whether you're sending letters, c- making calls. Uh, Posting on social media, you know, you have to call elect all elected officials accountable. And as much as as just as important as it is to let them know when they're doing something wrong, they often hear nothing when they do something right. Uh, So making sure that we are engaged both when we're angry and when we're pleased. uh, That is a sign of a, a truly engaged electorate and a functioning democracy.
0: So, in terms of engagement, some folks believe that because the American political system was designed to oppress black women, that it doesn't really make sense to involve themselves in electoral politics, since that could inherently validate an oppressive system. How do you respond to that? And do you believe that we can fundamentally reform our system so that it's not oppressive?
1: (laughs) Oh, that's a weighted question. Uh I feel that there has to be agitation within the structure and outside of the structure if we're going to make any true progress. Uh, And we are very committed to changing the makeup of the decision-making tables uh, with the um, sense that by just adding uh, different voices, uh, different positions, uh, different life experiences to those rooms where the decisions are being made. That um, you know, this we can upend the system, uh, but it requires uh, people fully participating in the process. I feel like you have to um, you have to have the folks on the inside as well as on the outside um, agitating towards the same thing uh, for us to really make any progress.
0: So one of the biggest impediments to true representation in politics is that though those in power may want to have marginalized bodies in the room, they tend not to genuinely want to hear marginalized voices. They want to be able to tokenize people, but not actually include them in the decision-making process. How do you go about combating this problem and creating true representation for Black women?
1: Uh, another one. Wow. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I think it is... Um... Supporting elected women who are who are not afraid of speaking truth to power and who are going to get into the faces of those who don't want to hear them uh, to make sure that the least of their community have a seat at the table, because that is their obligation as an elected official Um, and. It is, you know, whether you are in corporate America, whether you're in academia, whether you're in um, elected office, uh, voices counter to uh, the status quo are never welcome and uh but when uh people are uncom- are uncomfortable that is when uh you know the greatest things are created and so it is uh incumbent on black women and our allies we can't do this alone to make rooms uncomfortable uh to make uh sure that the voices are heard whether they want to be listened to or not um you, you know to you know prime example of this is uh Maxine Waters uh in that hearing with uh Steve Mnuchin uh and uh you know reclaiming my time because he was not answering her questions so she was reclaiming her time and she was going to ask the question again and again and again until uh she felt she got a satisfactory answer and i think it is that type of leadership uh not just from black women but from our allies and anyone who truly values um uh you know a, a reflective democracy. Uh that is your responsibility uh in you know in American de- in, in American democracy.
0: So hopefully a slightly easier question. Going into the 2018 midterms, what is higher heights doing?
1: Um so going into the midterms, we're really excited to uh support Stacey Abrams who is running for governor of Georgia. And we really see this as an opportunity not just to um Break down yet another first uh, black woman elected governor in the nation's 241 year history, but also to show what leadership looks like uh, and uh, what the possibilities are not just um, for for governors, but for black women uh, across the country. So we're very excited about her race, and we have uh, we have endorsed her, and are encouraging our members to uh, support her candidacy with uh, whatever they can spare uh, between now and uh, the May primary, and then after the May primary, definitely through the general election. And we've also uh, been very excited about uh, two congressional races: uh, Tamara Harris, who is running in uh, New Jersey's eleventh congressional district. Uh, She is an amazing. philanthropist, uh, business leader and social worker by training, uh, with an amazing background and an la- amazing life experience and commitment to the people of New Jersey. And we're also supporting Lauren Underwood, uh, in Illinois's 14th congressional district, who is a registered nurse, uh, former, uh, Obama administration, um, a staffer who worked at HHS and became uh, galvanized to run for public office because, as someone who has a pre-existing condition, uh, when all of the when everything really started to uh, hit the fan with the ACA, uh, she said, "I cannot uh, stand by and let this happen." So we're very excited about Lauren, uh, not just because she is. Um, she is running in a district that doesn't necessarily look like her, uh, but outside of Chicago. Uh, but the fact that we need more medical professionals in uh, in Congress, we need more variety of life experiences, uh, to, so that you know it's not just based on uh, race or. Um, our socioeconomic status, that we have diversity, but we also have a diversity of fields and industries um, as part of the conversation.
0: So what can folks do to support higher heights and how can they get involved?
1: Well, we have, uh, several ways of, uh, folks getting involved. Uh, definitely follow us on social media at Higher Heights on Twitter and Higher Heights, the number four on, uh, Facebook and Instagram. Follow the hashtag Black Women Lead and Black Women Vote over the next, uh, you know, 18 months, uh, well, actually, Two and a half years between now and 2020. Uh, We have a lot of work. Our goal for 2020 is to move a million Black women to the polls. Uh, So we need uh, everyone on board for that effort. We'll be unveiling uh, various uh, initiatives and uh, campaigns to help us reach that number. Uh, you can also go to our website, higherheightsforamerica.org, where we have all of our programming, including a series of webinars that we uh, launched last uh, summer, that if you're thinking about running for office or thinking about increasing your civic engagement, and you're not quite sure how we have a series of uh, seven webinars that help you navigate the political process, how, help you na- uh, put together your campaign, um, figure out where you fall on the political spectrum. Uh, and uh, those have been a great resource uh, to folks as they're trying to figure out in this new day and age, how do I get involved? How do I have an impact? Uh, and... Uh, be able to feel like I'm doing something. Uh, so I encourage uh, folks to go to our, our website and check that out. And, um, you know, always, would you know, greatly appreciate any uh, support folks can give. We talk a lot about uh, the, uh, the generosity of Black people uh, in general. We are some of the most philanthropic uh, demographic group. One of the most philanthropic demographic groups in the country because because we give to our, uh, many folks give to their uh, r- religious institution, their civic organization, uh, but uh, we don't uh, really participate in political stewardship. So we always encourage uh, people to think about shifting because no one has any extra dollars. We fully recognize that, but shift um, a portion of what you may give philanthropically or if shift uh, a pair of shoes or that latte or whatever uh, you may do, um, for fun, shift a portion of that, shift one, maybe once a quarter, or you know, maybe if you're feeling extra generous, once a month towards uh, some political stewardship and engagement, whether you're supporting a Black woman candidate directly uh, by giving to her campaign or supporting an organization like Higher Heights or other organizations that are building and supporting a leadership ladder to really expand uh, the face of democracy.
0: So lastly, where can folks find you online?
1: Uh, You can find me on Twitter at KimberP, K-I-M-B-E-R-P underscore A.
0: All right. So thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today and telling us about the work you do. I really appreciate it.
1: It was very fun. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So again, I'm Jordan Valerie Allen, politics editor of Millennial Politics. You can find me on Twitter at Jordan Val Allen. Make sure to follow Millennial Politics on social media, subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch at millennialpolitics.co, and stay tuned for the next episode of our podcast. Thanks for listening.